Have you been bullied for your looks, your skin color, hair, education, clothes? Have you been bullied by a coworker, a parent, a teacher? Stay tuned. We're talking to somebody who has and overcame it on Black Hollywood Lives Breaking Into Next. You are tuned in to Black Hollywood Lives Breaking Into. Like it's golden, living my life. That's right. Hey. Hey. <laughs> living like it's golden. Right. Get my shoulders in. I can do chair dance. Living <laughs> my life like it's golden. That's like, I break it down for you. Right. <laughs> Hi, welcome to Breaking Into here on Black Hollywood Live. We're breaking into dance. No. Um, I'm James Hutchins, your host. And thanks for joining me. It's my 75th episode. And I have a great guest. I, you know, I bring you great guests all the time. But she's somebody who I met through one of my other shows that I do. Um, and I was like, I had to bring her back on. I was like, she's she's somebody who's just really incredible. This is an incredible book. Um, she has so many oppressive degrees. We'll talk about all that stuff and academic accomplishments. She is currently the assistant director at USC's Black Alumni Association. They just had a, they just had events. Yes, so we ask, did. I want to ask you about that in a second. Mm-hmm. She's an author of this book called Bullied from Terror to Triumph. It's a really great book. If you have anybody who's been bullied, you've been bullied yourself, read this book. Get it. And it's, it's so good. And she tells, she's very vulnerable and tells her story. And it's just, it's, it, I read it like almost twice. I was reading it, I was reading some of the, some wow. of the things twice. It was, I, I wanted to make sure I got what I was getting because I've never been bullied before. But anyway, my guest today is author Tenzi Taylor. Hello, James. Hi, how are you? I am great. Thank you for letting me be here. Yeah, no, there are a couple of, there are a couple of um, chapters I actually read twice. Okay. So I was like, I, I need to hear. Did I just read what I just wrote? What I read? I was like, I need to read it again and make sure I got what I got because I mean, you really tell it all. I mean, you just you break down a picture. Uh, and there's certain chapters I want to talk about in here. But mm-hmm. overall, how was your event? The USC the USC Black Alumni, Black Alumni Association's yes. event was a tremendous success. Yes. We yes. were on a yacht with Grammy Award winning mm-hmm. artist Anthony Hamilton okay. and had a fabulous time. Four story yacht at the Marina del Rey raised over a million dollars in scholarships for Black students at USC. So a tremendous success. That's great. Congratulations. Thank you. Oh my God. I take care. This is Black Hollywood Live. We get I get a little blacker on this network. <laughs> Uh, we gotta work for our. We have to find ways to make sure that our black students are taken care of, and that they can actually go to college and get an education like everybody else. Correct? Right. I agree, and okay. especially with USC, forty-four thousand students and four percent are black. So we have to make yeah. sure that our demographic is taken care of financially. And what's interesting to me, if you're not here in LA, you don't know this, but USC is in the hood. Yes, South basically. Central. It's getting better around there now. They call it Figueroa Corridor or whatever. I'm like, okay, whatever. Um, my family's from Danker and like Adams. We're like, oh, wow, well, I guess it's crazy. Um, but it's, it's funny that it's it's situated because like USC, UCLA is situated in Westwood. It's way mm-hmm. up there in Brentwood. It's like way up there where this is actually in the hood. Right. And it's a good school. And you said 4% are black? 4% are black, yes. So we need to increase those numbers. Yes, that's just, it's very, just very interesting. I, I thought it's just very interesting to me. I mean, it makes no sense to me in a way. It doesn't. The numbers have declined. So that's part of my role with the Black Alumni Association as well as our collaboration with the Center for Black Cultural and Student oh, Affairs oh, to try to increase the numbers of our black students at this institution. Wow. Education is important. I always feel like, you know, we, we get through high school and stuff, but even a, a further education post high school really empowers us in so many ways as a community, right? Yes, Absolutely. 
I mean, because yes. you learned a lot going. Because I said you got some, you got some degrees on it. So I mean, so you took away a lot of stuff too. Not just not just the the, the degrees, but you learned stuff about social issues, social and, issues, yeah. activism, community yeah. involvement, mentorship, leadership, networking, mm-hmm. skill sets and tools that I share with my students and teaching them how to become well-rounded, holistic individuals. Yeah, this race is very important. Um, so reading this book, Bullied from Terror to Triumph, your survival story. I, you know, I was imagining you writing it, mm-hmm. having to relive some of these incidents. So when you were writing it, where were you in in that kind of? Were you did you work through all that stuff first, and you were able to write it objectively and be fine writing it, or was some of it painful to write over again? Some of it was painful, but it was also very cathartic. And mm. so it, I'm sure some of the chapters that we'll talk about, I'll get more into yeah. it, but. Reliving some of those experiences, yeah. I would type on my laptop, and the next thing I knew, it was wet because tears were streaming yeah. down my eyes. And I'm like, I can't believe I went through that. But then I was also happy because I survived it, and I'm living a great life today. And I just wanted to share my story yeah. to help others who are being bullied. I want to I want to thank you for being vulnerable and actually writing a book like this. I just released a book yesterday. I was telling people, and congratulations and thank to you. you, thank you. But I mean, it's it's vulnerable when you release a piece of work. Period. But to release something that is you, it's about you, about, and about what you went through, and some parts that are not that great. And it, it just, I just bless you for doing that because it's gonna help. It's gonna help somebody. And when I wrote this book, as you know, in the preface, I changed the names yeah. of my bullies yeah. because I was not trying to be malicious. No. Did not want to tell their names, but just wanted to keep it real and let other readers know exactly what I endured. So you do keep it real. <laughs> Like I say, that's the thing I like about the book. The book was like it was like you were you were to me you were kind of objective too. You were you were telling it from because now it's, it's hindsight looking back on stuff. But I felt like when I was reading it, like you're 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 sharing how you felt at the time, and you were sharing how you feel now as you look back on. It. I feel like I feel like a little bit of both was happening on so many of the chapters. Mm-hmm, it was that you're like it's how I felt then. It's probably what you know what happened, but this is what exactly happened that like you laid it out for us. There was mm-hmm. like a picture, a picture in there. Um, one of the things that I think was really interesting was that you like to play school. I did. So it's interesting. We've all played school as kids. I don't know if any of you out there have done that. We've done it as kids. But one of the things I found interesting for you is that you had scenarios. You'd play out scenarios that were going on with you in real life in school. Yes. So are you talking about the chapter teaching my stuff? Yes. 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 The stuff that was I think is hilarious. <laughs> um, that part was hilarious. But the, what you were talking about really wasn't hilarious. It was like, oh, wow, that's really interesting. Yes. Yeah, so that was my outlet of dealing with bullying. I love teaching. I came from a background of teachers. My dad taught for 48 years. Mother taught for 38 years. And so when I was bullied at school, I didn't have enough gumption to stand up for myself. So I would come home, line my stuffed animals up, and teach and reenact what happened that day in school. So if a student got yelled at or if someone yelled at me, that was transpiring in Miss Taylor's classroom. And I personified my stuffed animals, but I made sure that none of the students were bullied like I was in school. So that mm. was a very poignant moment for me to make yeah. sure that all the students were treated with dignity and respect because that's not how I was always treated during my school days. I felt I got sad on some level too reading that chapter, just going, wow, there's a kid in pain who's trying to survive this daily struggle as she's acting it out with her animals. We always talk about animals, you know, as kids using animals and like therapy things, but you really were giving yourself therapy, so to speak. I was. I was, it was very therapeutic, yeah. and I was also re, uh, remembering the information that I had learned earlier that day. Mm. But it really healed me because mm. the things that I couldn't say 
to yeah. my bullies, yeah. I could say to my yeah. stuffed animals because I knew they wouldn't hurt me. I knew they wouldn't mm-hmm. verbally abuse me. And so that's how I dealt with some of the bullying. Now, doing this kind of recycling of what you learned earlier that day, did it make you a really good student? Like a straight-A student? I was a straight-A student. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. Very straight-A student. Um, And that's part of the reason why I was bullied, because of my academic success. I made high A's in my classes. But what interested me was that the students who bullied me, we had the same teacher, the same hours in the day, the same opportunities, but they were failing. And they were getting on my case because I was excelling and then getting upset with me when I wouldn't let them copy the answers off of my paper. It's so weird how kids can act. Because when I was a kid, I was part of the gifted program. Mm-hmm. Uh, they had this gifted I got tested like in kindergarten. They're like, oh, he's, he's too smart. He, he reads at fourth grade level at first grade. And I, and I was forced to leave class and go to the fourth graders to read, and I hated it. Mm. And I got, I didn't get bullied, but I got made fun of here and there because, oh, there's smarty pants, James, but I wasn't really bullied, just like, the few people would make fun of me here and there because you talk white, and you and you act this. I'm like, mm. well... I've heard that before. Yeah, so then you heard that before. I was like, okay, first of all, there's no such thing as talking white, exactly. first of all. Every culture has a standard language, and they have mm-hmm. the slang. Mm-hmm. So, in a way, we're bilingual. Uh, so that's how I look at it as... Um, but I mean, but those things where kids they learn obviously from parents or outside people. They would they say it to you for you. You had the actually bullying experience. I had a few people make fun of me here and there, but mm-hmm. you actually had someone to the nth degree bully you. Bully me, yes, and it always made me mad when they would say I talked white or they called me an Oreo. Yep, yeah, I got it too. Black on the outside, and they said barely because <laughs> I'm light skin <laughs> and white on the inside because yes. I pronounced the ing in my words because yes. I was articulate because I loved classical music. Vivaldi, Tchaikovsky, in mm-hmm. addition to listening to hip-hop and R&B. Mm-hmm. So they said I wasn't black enough or hood enough. Yep. And so they just had a field day with me. Mm-hmm. I remember one incident after an awards day in fifth grade, students kicked over my trophies and my plaques and told me, just because you won all these awards, that doesn't mean you're going to be anybody in life. Oh and that was just the most idiotic thing I had ever heard because... I had done well academically, and they were sitting here making fun of me for doing that. I never yeah. understood that mentality. What do you think now, as you look back on it, do you get that it's not really you, about you, I guess? It's really about them, isn't it? It's about them. And Dr. Gloria uh, Morrow, who wrote the foreword to my book, mm-hmm. she and I have had many conversations on this topic, and she says that hurt people hurt people. And so yes. my bullies came from broken homes. Mm-hmm. They didn't really have parental involvement. Parents didn't show up to the schools or care about their educational endeavors such as mine did. Mm-hmm. I was out taking family vacations every yeah. summer, and they probably were hurt because they didn't mm-hmm. have that. And yeah. instead of trying to befriend me, they wanted to hurt me, to belittle and demean me to make themselves feel better. It's so interesting. That's the thing. That's, I've learned that many in many professions I've been in and, and co-workers. So you hear it's like a lot of times it's not really about you per se. It's mm-hmm. they're lashing out for their own inadequacy or their own feelings they're having about something, and you're and you're reminding them of it. Exactly. And with me, I always tried to befriend yeah. the students. Even when they were mean to me, I would say, <laughs> let me help you with your homework, or do right. you want to come to my house and do homework together? So it's not like I was making fun of them for failing. Yeah. I was trying to help them help and them. let's study together, but they weren't having it. They weren't having it. And one of the sections that I had to read twice, because I was like, okay, I, I want to see what note I wrote on here. Oh, yeah. Um, the teacher. You had a teacher. Okay, teachers do God's work. They do God's work. I'm all about educators. I'm all about that. I come from a family of educators. 
But there are teachers who are lazy or not as good. And you had a teacher that was really doing wrong in teaching in class, and you were trying to correct. And she didn't like that. She did not. Uh, when I was in the fifth grade, my teacher was doing a, a lesson on conversions. Yes. And she said that there were 14 ounces in a pound. And I raised my hand and I said, Miss Such and Such, um, there are 16 ounces in the pound. And I even showed her what page it was on the book. I'm the teacher. I ought to know what I'm talking about. You're just a student. I'm right. You're wrong. And I was taken aback that she got so upset and angry yeah. that I was trying to correct her on the lesson. Wasn't trying to be malicious about it. Yeah. Just wanted her to know that it was 16 ounces in the pound. And ever since that incident, she would send me in the hallway. I mentioned to her several times that there was one student who sat close to me, and he always tried to talk to me. I didn't want to get in trouble. And so I asked her, can you move the student away from me? The next day, she had our desks right next to each other. So it's like she really wanted to try to get me in trouble. And I was already small. And so I was getting smaller. My health was being affected. When I would go into the classroom, my heart would start to beat really fast. I felt anxiety. And because I was like, if I raise my hand or say something wrong, what is she going to say to me today? And I told my mom about it. And she recognized the change in my behavior because I kept saying, 20 days until school uh, spring break, 50 days until the school year ends. And my mom's like, but you love school. Why are you counting down the yeah. days? Told her what was going on. My mom talked to the teacher because they were actually friends at the time. The teacher uh, went and told the principal that my mother fussed her out, which was not the case at all. <sighs> Mom and dad had to go to the principal, tell her what was going on. The principal said, I don't want to remove Tensi from the class. That's a lot of paperwork on my behalf. So my parents had to go all the way up to the superintendent to get me taken out of this class because this teacher was bullying, berating me, and just being mean to me. But it shouldn't have had to get to that level. It made me angry. I was was angry and sad and disheartened. Yes, because it's supposed to be somebody, because you're a kid. So all adults, you're looking to for guidance, support, love in some cases. You shouldn't be feeling fearing the adult that's supposed to be watching you all day long in a class, in a school setting, and, and worry about them being mean to you at the same time. Exactly. And that affected me because even years later, even up all the way to college, when I raise my hand, I, I process my thoughts before I speak because I'm afraid if I say something wrong or if I try to correct the professor, he's gonna, he or she is going to berate me. So that incident that happened when I was 10 yeah. carried with me even to this day sometimes. What's the thing? I mean, there are incidents that happen when we're kids that really do. This is for any parents or adults out there. They have long-lasting effects. Even when you get better, there are times a certain look will happen. I'll, I'll jump or certain I mean, just things come up when yeah. you're a kid. It's just, it's in there. You don't forget it. You don't forget it. It's like, for that teacher story, I had to read that once. I was like, I am totally upset. Yeah, and I ran into her a few years later about Mm, seven years after that and yes. she tried to make conversation with me and say how good it was to see mm-hmm. me whatever way she went I went the opposite way because I really didn't have anything to say to her no you didn't <laughs> I wouldn't have nothing to say to her either well I would have something to say to her but it would have been pretty <laughs> sorry I'm like I'm like sorry yeah it, I, I, well it's a family show I won't say it <laughs> there's some choice words there but you took the high road um, one of the things you talk about and this, is, and this is Black Hollywood Live we talk about things that are that, that do happen that are specific to our community Colorism. Mm. And, you know, in my family, I find my father's side's from the South. They're from Louisiana. Mm-hmm. So a lot of the, you know, get the brown paper bag out. Are you lighter? Are you darker than a bag? You know, you're, yes. I mean, it's a lot that goes on. So you're a bully for it. I mean, I've been, I've been bullied too. I'm not bullied, but I've been bothered by color here and there. But you uh, talk about that in the book. 
I have a whole chapter yes, dedicated to colorism. Yes, you do. And it was very, first of all, many of the people who bullied me were from my own race. Yes. Black kids. Thank you. And so that's why it always made me so upset when they said I was trying to talk white. And mm-hmm. I said, are you saying that black people don't speak intelligently? Is that how mm-hmm. what you're alluding to? But colorism, I was bullied because of my skin complexion. And mm-hmm. some of the darker skin girls would make comments about me. They called me high yellow. They call me banana, light, bright, almost near white. And it, it affected me. And even I had long hair when I was in school, and uh, a darker-skinned girl tried to cut my hair Oof. one time. And so I never understood that whole dynamic. I mean, I know it stems from uh, slavery. Yes. That's how it started. Yes. Yeah. And even Bill Duke did a documentary yes, on did. dark girls and yes, light girls. Yes, he did. I, lo- I loved the documentary. I loved it. It was great. Yeah. But what was interesting is when he did the dark girls, people were cool with that. But when he came out with the light girls one, some people got upset. Yes, light I know. girls don't have any obstacles uh, or challenges that they face. And yes, we do. You do. Yes, we do. And so part of the reason why I was bullied was because of my color, the brown paper bag, and just calling me glow worm. I mean, students yes. were so creative with the I names know, that know, they I'm called me. I mean, I'm laughing, but I know, no, I but know. I laugh because they were failing their classes. Right, you can think of some names to call you can't, you know, handle yeah. your English. So yeah. when we were talking about similes and metaphor, yes. and you're saying I look like a banana, that's a simile. That is. But you're well. failing when it comes to that on the test. <laughs> Made absolutely no sense. Yes, I like that. Yeah, yes. so I talk about the research, too, and colorism and socioeconomic statuses. So, the black kids who came from middle class like me or higher, they didn't bully me. We were on the same mm. academic level. We were on the same socioeconomic status level. But those that came from lower backgrounds, they, those were the ones who bullied me, yeah. belittled me, berated me, and just made me feel like I was mm. worthless. And it is, it's funny because it is, it, is a, it is a longer, larger conversation. We have a show on that all day mm-hmm. about colorism. But I thought it was interesting that for you, part of the bullying that happened to you growing up, that was a factor. And you said from our own people. And that's the sad part because you're thinking, okay, well, white folks, they don't look, they, and I think a lot of white folks don't even look at our coloring. Right. It's not just we're one color to them in some ways, I guess, but our own folks. Our own folks. And it happens in Latin culture too. There's, a, there's a whole light dog. I'm part Puerto Rican, a whole light dog. I mean, it's kind of a crazy thing where it's where the light skinnedness people feel like. Some people think it's like this angelic thing that you're light skin, you're lucky. And other people look at it as a negative thing, like it's your skin color. You can't do anything, anything. about it. No. And even in my uh, master's program, I had a professor bully me for my color. Uh, she was a darker skinned lady. And we were talking about privilege one time. Okay. And I was talking about privilege, academic privilege, of having parents who had master's and bachelor's degrees. Mm. She comes in left corner, says, well, you don't see a privilege because you're light skinned? had nothing to do with what we were talking right. about. Every time wow. she mentioned something, every time I raised my hand in class, well, you're light-skinned, so you should be privileged. Every time. It had nothing to do with yeah. it, and it got on my nerves about it until one day she broke down at the end of the class and started crying and said that she wished that she were white or light-skinned. So she had some internal yeah. issues that she was dealing with, and I felt sorry for her. Yeah, and I do, and I do feel like, I know folks who say, I know folks who are dark who wish they were light. And I just like I just feel like it's in my own family, and I just feel it's so sad because first of all, all colors are beautiful. They are. Our, all of our shades and hues. I mean, they're they're beautiful. It shouldn't matter. You shouldn't want to look like somebody else. I mean, you should look like yourself. Mm-hmm. Whatever your coloring is, and I like I love my nose and I love my lips. I'm not going to change any of that stuff. Right. And I and I and I, like I said I never got bullied, but I made got made fun of sometimes my lips and nose. But now people like it. 
Mm-hmm. Uh, when you're Chad a grown up, okay, they like they love it. <laughs> so I have to worry about that now. But just say it's just really funny how we, our own culture, will do that to each other, and it's deep rooted. It's so deep rooted that you say a professor, a person who's like in this position, is like getting mad at you because you're lighter skin yes. and you're adult, you're both adults, both adults, and. Even some of my classmates were like, what's going on? Yeah, I'm sure. (laughs) Every, I mean, I could be talking about uh, academics or books, and she would bring up my complexion. And one day we were talking about media, and she kept saying, how come it's the lighter-skinned people who get most of the attention? And, like, listen, when she broke down in the class and started crying and said she wishes she were white or light-skinned, it made perfect sense why she targeted me. And I feel, and I do, I feel, hearing that story, I feel bad for her because, it's a like I said, deep seated, and she needs to get over that and like be like be proud of what her. I love me some chocolate folks. Yes. I'm sorry, and I love me some light skinned folks. I think, and I you know I come from a mixed family, and there's some beautiful mixed children in my family. I mean, mm-hmm. it's just beautiful. But there's some beautiful chocolatey children too in my family. It and is, I and like you it. said, everybody is beautiful. Yeah. whether you're light, brown, dark, right, guy, made short hair, beautiful. dark right. hair, light hair, and we long hair doesn't matter, right? Mm-hmm. Oh, it just, it just bugs me because because it, it is something that we're still talking about this today. <laughs> And I mean, like, I remember school days came out, and that was like in the early uh-huh. '90s. And before that, I mean, it's like it's like, oh my god, it's like it's we're all black, right? Let's support and uplift, but sometimes we're crabs in a barrel. We bring yes. each other down, and yes. people you read in my book about awards day, people yes. would make comments like, "Oh my gosh, I'm so sick of her. Can she sit down?" Yes. One person even tried to trip me up when I, I was know, going I was to the stage. I know. <laughs> to get the award and I'm like wow we could all be studying together and collaborating together so we could all triumph but they wanted to bring me down because they said I was just doing the most here's the thing so how why do you think you wrote this book you survived all this stuff why do you think you survived this I survived it because of my parents and Mm -hmm. I had a strong network so many young kids today, especially with cyberbullying and technology. Oh, yeah. I read a story a few weeks ago of a young young student, 11, hanged himself because of bullying. <sighs> My parents kept me going. They had tenacity, determination, and faith. These are things that they instilled in me. And they grew up in the South. Okay. So I would hear their stories. My dad I'm had sure. to walk to school five miles because he couldn't ride the bus because he was black. Dang, and when the white yeah. bus driver would drive past him, if it had rained the night before... He would hit the puddle, splash my dad's clothes. The white kids would call him the N-word from the bus. And uh, my mother had to enter into stores and museums and movies in the back. And so to hear their stories and what they had to deal with and face because of their skin color, grew up very poor, came from humble beginnings. My mother had to wear her brother's hand-me-downs. So to hear their stories and to know where they are today, I mean, have a beautiful home in North Carolina, very accomplished and educated. Mm. They had that tenacity and determination Mm. in me. And when I would tell my parents about specific incidents of bullying, they were proactive about it and dealt with it. Um, but I, in my faith, I mean, I, I would I would pray and uh, just having outlets. So in addition to teaching to my stuffed animals, I would sing. Yeah, I would yeah. play the piano. I would yeah. play my trumpet. So that's what kept me going. So to those who are bullied, they have to have a support system. Mm-hmm. They have to have people who encourage them. And then one day I just had an epiphany. I was not going to let the bullies win because mm-hmm. I contemplated suicide when I was 16, as yes. you read in the yes. in the book. And what kept me from not doing that is like, if I take my life, my bullies would go on living theirs. And my parents would have to bury their daughter. I'm not going to give them that satisfaction. So I developed strength, resilience, and said, Tensi, keep going. Mm -hmm. 
Yeah, because I mean like, that part was heartbreaking too. Because uh, I've been there too. I've actually contemplated suicide years ago when I was a kid oh, too. Wow. Had some some rough stuff happen to me. I was I was a victim of violent crime. So oh, wow. uh, I remember doing that. And one day I'll write a book on that. One day I'm not ready for that yet, but one day I will. But mm-hmm. I do know that that despair feels like where you feel like there's just no other answer. Mm-hmm. You ask how do you how can you feel like like it's, it has to be something that's accumulative that happens to you where after a while you're worn down. Mm-hmm. And luckily I had a support system. I I hundred percent agree with that. They said that saved my life was I had a support system that was like, no, James, we're here for you. Mm-hmm. And they came from, I came from strong people who were strong. Yes. My grandparents were strong. My parents were strong. Mm-hmm. So I, when you say that, I think that's a good lesson for everybody out there. You got to find a support system that's going to really care about you and be there for you. Exactly. And I even had a student recently when I spoke at St. Augustine University in Raleigh. She said, you talked about being bullied at school, but what if you're bullied at home? Mm. And so I actually had a classmate uh, who was bullied at home. And so he had to find a support system outside right, of yeah. home. So whether that's a mentor, a confidant, mm. counseling. I'm a big advocate for counseling, talking to someone, because you can't keep all this bottled up. Mm-hmm. And that's why sometimes there are school shootings. Many of the kids are sometimes bullied, and mm-hmm. they just keep it all in, and it's no excuse for it, but mm-hmm. sometimes people reach their limit. And so that's why I'm on a mission to share my story, to give encouragement, mm-hmm. and just be more kind. Uh, this world is just so full of hatred and negativity. I know. I, know. I just want to just encourage people to hug and be more positive and uplifting. I always say, and I say this on all my shows, because people kind of laugh when I say this, but I, I really mean it. People should be nice. Nice should be the norm. Mm-hmm. I say it all the time because I feel like it doesn't cost anything to be nice. It doesn't. It really doesn't. And it adds it adds so much to your life. It does. When you're nice to other folks. It's like, I, always, I make jokes and say, hate me when you get to know me first. <laughs> um, but, you know, but in the beginning, but my whole point is just kind of like, it, it takes nothing to smile at somebody or right. say, hello, how you doing? Whether you care or not, just, hey, how you doing? And you exactly. keep it moving. At least you're, you're being nice to somebody. Mm-hmm. And you never know how that'll affect their day. Maybe they're having a bad day. Exactly. And by simply saying hello can brighten it. When I was at NC State, my parents taught me to always treat people, whether they're the janitor or the president of a university, with the utmost dignity and respect. Never think that any person is better than another person. And so I would talk to the custodial staff, the people who served me. And so my senior year at NC State, this gentleman named Mr. J. I said, Mr. J, you're not going to see me anymore. He said, why not, Tensi? I said, because I'm graduating. He said, okay, well, once you finish your lunch, meet me outside. So I thought he was going to give me a big hug and wish me well. We get outside. He goes in his pocket. He pulls out $50. And he says, I want to give this to you because and thank you. Because you treated me like a human being. He said, students come in, faculty, staff, oh, yeah. and they look down on me sometimes because I serve. But you asked how my day was. You asked how my family was. He said, your personality and how you treat others will take you far in life. So no matter how many degrees I have, no matter how accomplished I get, I will always remain and have that humble spirit and treat everybody with dignity and respect because it's the right thing to do. You never know what someone's going through. And also, you could be flying high one day and then come crashing down, and those same people that you look down on, they might be the ones to lift you up. That's very true. And I work in Hollywood, and I know how that can be with people. <laughs> mm-hmm. You know, anything could possibly happen. But also, it's so true. I, th- I just think it's it doesn't cost much. It's just it doesn't cost anything, and it just makes it makes it just it puts out good energy and, and vibes and and electricity. Just to, just to smile and be okay. nice to people, and, and yeah, say how you doing. I mean, whether you like I said fully mean it or not doesn't even matter. 
even if you don't stay for the answer, if someone's like, he said hi to me today. Mm-hmm. Wow, okay. Or that's a nice smile. The one girl walked by, I was like, that's a really nice yeah, smile. Yeah, you do. You complimented her. Yeah, I was, I was doing it. Smile, it's a nice smile. I always say to people, you have a nice smile. Thank you. That's a mm-hmm. really nice smile. Now I feel like I can smile to you, kind of. Exactly. And then when you put out more positive vibes in the universe, mm-hmm. more comes back to you. So I'm a hugger by nature. I'll Same hug here. people. We hugged outside. We did. Saying, yeah, we, yeah, we, did. we hugged, had a nice embrace. Yes, yes. And if I'm feeling down and someone says hi to me or how are you doing, Tensi, my whole world changes. And I'm like, yes. okay, I can get through today. Yes, you can get through today. Um, so, I mean, okay, so you survived you know, bullying. You wrote, you wrote this book. Were you nervous to put this book out at all? Or was it? I was nervous because I'm being vulnerable. I'm telling mm-hmm. my story. And even when uh, my publisher, I want to give a shout out to him, William yes. Lee Jr., uh, based in Greensboro, North Carolina, okay. when he was helping to promote my book, somebody wrote on his Facebook page, uh, what a joke. If this person was bullied, she should have dealt with it and not write a, about it, not write Dang. a book about it. Yes. Um, and so I've had, I don't even read the comment section sometimes yeah. when I do interviews, especially news interviews. Okay. Um, because people are just so mean. One person wrote, everybody's bullied. Yeah, get, I've heard that. Get over it. Um, even when I was talking about how my parents got involved and how I contemplated suicide when I was 16, somebody wrote, what terrible parents uh, she had. How could they let her even think something like that? So <sighs> I don't read the comments yes. because people, I'm just like, I'm over here telling my story. I'm trying to do good, to yes. save lives, yes. do something positive, right. and I'm being criticized. But I know <sighs> that when you're in the spotlight, criticism comes with it. Oh, and I, know. I just deal with it and yeah. with grace and keep moving. Same here. I don't know. Save your tweets. You're going to say them bad, man. Save your, I, don't, I don't care. Save your, save your tweets. I feel how I feel. I don't care. Um, <laughs> I do it all the time. But no, it's straight to And you mentioned something with the cyberbullying, which is a whole other thing nowadays. And... Like Twitter, Instagram, well, mostly Twitter and maybe Facebook, Instagram, not so much, but Twitter and Facebook, where people are just mean on purpose. They troll you, they're mean mm-hmm. on purpose. I mean, I, and I, YouTube, I mean, trust me, I'm, 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 a, I'm a television host, I'm a radio host, I hear stuff all the time. Yes. <laughs> and some of it makes me laugh, some makes me laugh. I'm like, that's creative. Um, <laughs> so it's directed towards me, but it's creative. But that's a form of bullying, too. It is. It's a huge form of bullying. And with technology, you can hide behind your computer. I have my Facebook fan page, and some random person called me an ugly <sighs> B word and didn't even know who this person was. Right. Um, but I'm like, and I, I told some students recently, that's when you know that you are important. When someone takes the time to find your page that's true. and to comment on something negative when you're doing something positive, because I have no idea who these people are no. that are speaking to me. And so that's why I think more needs to be done with cyberbullying. I think Instagram has implemented something a few months yeah. ago that they can delete some of the negative comments. And you can even turn off comment, comments now you can, on you your can. pictures. And on YouTube, too, you can, try, you can disable comments on YouTube okay. if you want to. You can do that, too. So, I mean, I haven't done it, but I mean, you can do that if you want to. Because um, there are some good comments that come through. I mean, now all my comments are bad. I mean, there are some that are good. Mm-hmm. Um, but, no, I, I just think it's, I guess, probably for you, you probably can handle a bullying situation now because you know what it looks like, you know what it feels like. You probably can handle it now, can't I you? Can ha- I can, and in my book I talk about fighting back. Mm-hmm. And I don't fight back physically. I fight back educationally yeah. with my words um, and, and with letter writing. So I've had incidents even in adulthood where I was bullied and mm. I would talk to HR. I would write a letter to the president of an organization expressing how I feel. Yeah. But one of the things that I get the most satisfaction of is when people underestimate me. So I'm a tiny person, yes. and um, I, they just look at me and think I have this kind of mouse-like voice and right. won't, won't say or do much. 
They think I'm not traveled at all. I had this one lady ask me because I'm going to Cuba in May. She said, oh, you've probably never been outside the country, have you? I said, well, actually, Cuba will make my 19th country. So, okay. yes, I have. <laughs> I have been outside the Take country. Take the mic and throw it on the ground. <laughs> yes, kids. So mm-hmm. that's how I deal with the bullying yeah. or smart comments today by even when I was in a job interview one time, this lady said, do you really think you can do this job? And I just listed every accomplishment, every award and and just let my resume speak for itself. But I didn't want the job. When I left, she called me like five minutes later offering it to me. I didn't want to work for that type of nope. thing. But yeah, so having been bullied for 13 years and mm-hmm. being suppressive and not speaking out. Now I'm a little firecracker, and okay. I will speak out um, with my words and politely put people in their place with okay. my vocabulary and um, things that I've done. I um, have this to think is my my name James Hodge Jr. sounds like anything. There's no there's no kind of racial or cultural connotation to my name at all. This is very whatever. So I've had the you turn in the, you turn in the the resume via online or something, mm-hmm. and then they meet me. Uh huh. And, you know, I sound, I think, like a, a fine person, but it's like the color, you see the color. Mm-hmm. Or you see the age. I'm not shaving this. Uh, or, or dying it. Um, but I saw, it's funny because the name, they're like, oh, so you're, oh, okay. And, you, the, and we all know the looks and stuff. They're like, oh, okay. Um, yeah, okay. Well, um, uh-huh. so you've worked in this field. It says you work, like, they almost question my resume sometimes. Yes. That I know, and I used to hire people too. Like they, they wouldn't question a person who wasn't their their race. Mm-hmm. So you were you were you were an accounting firm. Like you were a nurse, and I mean, like they would look at me like I was crazy. I'm like, this is all documented. You can go look it up. It's all documented. <laughs> I'm, not, I'm not lying to you. Right. I didn't make it up. Right. I had very similar situations to that. Um, people say I sound white on the phone yeah. again because I don't know why. Right. Yeah. So I had a phone interview one time, and they brought me in. So the uh, secretary says, oh, here's Tensi to the hiring manager. You're Tensi? Yes. So this whole look of amusement. I know the look. I know the look. On her face. And so she's, same thing, questioning my resume. Have you really been to England? Can you really type 130 words per minute? Did you really work for this, uh, the president of the universities of North Carolina? And at that time I was 23. Yeah. And I was just like, yes. And every time I would expound upon who I had spoken with, I don't need all those details. Like, just stop. And so it it became mm. a, a tug of war in this interview, and it could, yeah. took everything in me not to <sighs> go off. But again, I went off with my accomplishments and my mm. vocabulary. She asked me one time, I had won an oratorical contest, and that was listed oh, on my wow. resume. Mm. And she said, you won an oratorical? <laughs> so I'm sitting here thinking, this lady doesn't know what oratorical you know, yeah, means. Hello. I know she's not going to know what this word So I'm putting out all these big yes. vocabulary words, mm-hmm. verisimilitude, braggadocio. <laughs> And she probably had no idea what I was saying. Yes. Um, but that's how I got back at her because you're going to sit here and question me, but you can't pronounce oratorical? Yeah. We run across that a lot um, in my life. I understand that one very much. Uh, I'm a wordsmith. I'm, I'm a spelling bee champion. Me too. So you, you too? Yeah, oh, third, third through eighth. Oh, wait, I did. I was a, a fourth grade, eighth grade, and I was uh, at my school, I was 12th grade, but then in the district, I came in third. Ah! See, I I never made it to the district. Yeah, I made it to the district twice. Oh, cool! I, I like I like I the, the second time I was I was the first one to the district. I messed up because I had to go to the bathroom so bad. <laughs> I think that messed up my concentration. I messed up my word. I was like, I had to go to the bathroom so bad. And luckily, my parents were like, it's okay, James. So you, you your accomplishment of coming here was just good enough. <laughs> the next time I went to the bathroom, I peed. Wait, I was so mad at myself. Fourth grade, I had studied all these big words, triskaidekaphobia. Yes, I knew how to spell them. Glint. Wow, I did not know how to spell glint because I had focused so much time on the, on the, on the bigger words. Right. And so oh I spelled it G L E N T, 
instead of G-L-I-N-T because I was thinking about rent. Yeah. And they hit the bell. I'm like, no, I knew you all these just big words. gave me, oh my gosh, it's so weird. I think now, okay, <laughs> my own shows is so weird. If I was in fourth grade, the person, one of my, my best friends and I were the last two standing in the uh-huh. spelling bee. But you just said something that now I think unlocked a mystery for me of like 40-something years. <laughs> oh my God. What I is love- that? So he and I were doing good on the big words, but he messed up on compass. Uh-huh. He spelled it C-O-M-P-U-S-S. Oh. He was like a spelling champion for like the last four years, and I beat him, and which caused controversy because he was white, I was black, so the whole thing. It was back in the seventies, but you just saw. I'm thinking, oh my god, that probably was his problem that he fi- he focused on all the big words mm-hmm. that come with like, compass, <laughs> compass. <laughs> right. Like we know the word, a like, compass. And I was like so excited because I remember when he misspelled it. I was like, okay, James, calm down, mm-hmm. calm down. Well, back then it was Jamie, Jamie, calm down, and I spelled it correctly. And he didn't care so much because he was like, whatever, his parents. I was never invited to his house again. <laughs> oh, wow! The jealousy was real. They huh? like the little black boy beat the little white son. I guess I think it was the seventies. Wow. I, I don't think they liked that back then. But it was just funny. But now you just said, I'm thinking. I wonder if that was his problem. Was that he had focused much on the harder words? He kept getting the harder words that yes. were way much. I mean, compass is not a hard word. No, he messed up, and I was like, he doesn't mess up. So that probably was what it, it was. was. I mean, to this day, I man, I'm, I'm almost thirty, and I remember glint. glint Whenever glint, I hear the word glint, 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 I cringe. I'm like, oh. <laughs> Fourth grade. Don't oh, bring God. back memories. <laughs> I love it, but we both spell it. I love words. I, I'm a big word fan, so I, I, love, I love words. That's so funny, but you just gave me something that I just, I'm like, oh my God. I cracked the mystery. You did right. crack the mystery. I love, see, your job is done. <laughs> job is done for On my own show, I learn stuff. Okay, so I asked my guests the same two questions. Mm-hmm. And you guys know at home, I don't prep them. If they watch the show and they figure this part out, then that's one thing, but I don't prep them the questions. And since you are into words, what word do you think we should take out of the English language and never say again? What word should we take out of the English language and never say again? I don't like the word moist. How funny. A lot of people don't. Is that funny? It don't just like it. doesn't sound... It's <laughs> <laughs> so funny. I like it. I know, a lot, I know a lot of women who like that word. Yeah, I don't like that word. So I would take that word out. Wow. Okay. That's a, that's a first on here. What word do you think we should say more of or bring back to our vocabularies in the English language? One word we should say more of. Gratitude. And for multiple reasons. Tell us. Because we need to have more gratitude in the world today. I feel like so many people feel entitled. Things should be given Mm -hmm. to them. Um, There was a quote that says, we all have a birth date and we all have a death date and we have a dash in the middle. And in the dash will determine what somebody does for you in that dash will help you in your your life's journey. And so nobody has to do anything for you in life. And Mm -hmm. so when someone takes the time to mentor you or give you a scholarship or just to help you, show appreciation. And so I think we just need to have gratitude. Just thank you and please and manners. They've just gone out the window, especially for the younger generation. And I'm young myself and Mm -hmm. and I'm around a lot of middle, high school and college students. But I just sit here and look like, wow, there's no gratitude. So I think we should have more of that word like that. in the English language as well as showcasing that word. I like that's a good one. That's a, that's the first time for that, one, that word too. I'm going to show 75 times. That's the first time for that word. Uh, yeah. And I like that word because I always live in gratitude. I say I live in gratitude all the time. How do you feel? I'm living in gratitude today. I always say that. I think I have a gratitude journal that I write every oh, day. Excellent. I just, I just love, I love that word just period because it just encompasses that, yeah, life, things go on. Some things mm-hmm. are the greatest. But you know what? I'm alive. I got a house to live in. Right. I have family that love me. Mm-hmm. I mean, a lot of people, some people don't even have that. Right. 
Right. So I'm living in gratitude. I'm going to Vegas this week for a vacation. Hey, have fun. I'm going to, girl, I'm going to. I work hard. I'm, I need the vacation. <laughs> but again, I live in gratitude that I can do that, that I can actually can do that. I have someone there who's you got me a free room. And it's like, I live in gratitude of that. And also show it. I say, okay, let me take you to lunch because you did that for me. Mm-hmm. Or let me have you on my radio show or my TV mm-hmm. show. I, I like to, we're part of the village. Yes. You're part of my village. We're all part of the I'm part of yours. That's where we come from. That's where our people come from, the village mentality. Exactly. And we've gotten away from that somewhat. We have. And, I mean, my gratitude to others has gotten me so far in life. Mm. I constantly tell people, write thank you notes. Don't send an email. Write a handwritten thank you notes. And even when I graduated from college for undergrad and for master's, I probably received more than 60 gifts, graduation gifts. And I personally hand wrote each thank you note. One person was so touched by my thank you letter. He had already given me $100. He gave me $100 more dollars because he said, first of all, a lot of young people don't write thank you letters. And I was so touched by the words that you said, I wanted to give you more. And so when you show that gratitude, people are going to be wanting to do Mm -hmm. more for you as opposed to when you give somebody something and they don't say thank you or they, they, they think they're entitled. I don't want to fool with you. Yeah. I give a shout out to my grandchildren because they always send me stuff after a holiday if I'm not there or they always send me little cards for grandparents mm-hmm. stuff, and, they, and they actually handwrite these they draw on them excellent I love that stuff yes. I used to do it when I was a kid I love that so I, I would shout out to my grandchildren they have manners they do it yes they are being raised properly they are being raised properly you know my daughter gets my nerves sometimes <laughs> I love her too, but but, but she's very good about letting making sure you know. Tell Papa John, Papa Jamie, tell Papa Jamie, thank you for this. And they actually now they're getting old enough where they do it on their own. Okay, and they show it in their ways. And again, we got away from that. Also, it's like when you send somebody money. My girl, I used to always send her a card mm-hmm. to say thank you. Mm-hmm. Always, yeah. Like we didn't I just think, oh great, thanks, Granny, you got the money, and just go about your business. And like <laughs> she's like, did you get the money? Like what's going on? But no, you always said thank you because it's it's you know a grandparent wants to do that. Mm-hmm. That's part of our job. We do that, but still, you like to hear thank you. Exactly. And you read in my book the very I think the second chapter mm-hmm. of it. My mother taught me how to write thank you letters yeah. at five years old. I didn't understand the significance of it at the time, but as I got older, I said, wow, how my words. And because with the email, that can take five minutes. But with the thank mm-hmm. you note, you have to buy the thank you letter, yes. write it, address the envelope, get a stamp, and mm-hmm. mail it. It takes much more energy. And so many opportunities have been afforded to me just by simply writing a thank you letter. And so please, let's get back to yes. the basics of gratitude and manners and thank you letters. I agree. Bullied from Terror to Triumph. It's a bestseller. My Survivor Story. Tensi Taylor. Get it. Run, don't walk. Get it. It's available everywhere, isn't it? You can get online. On Amazon, Amazon Barnes yeah. & Noble, Books A Million, yeah. all of that. I mean, I mean seriously, it's a, it's a great read. And if you if you are being bullied, try to get help, get yes. support system. But maybe also read this book, and maybe this will help you a little bit. Or if you know someone mm-hmm. who's being bullied, maybe it's a good gift for them to pass this on and kind of slip it to them and say, read this. Mm-hmm. Um, and it'll, maybe it'll give them some light in, in their life. Because yeah. that's what you're doing. You're giving light in their lives. Exactly. I mean, I'm, with tr- tr- I'm triumphing now. So yes. I'm just happy and giddy and excited for life. I love it. You are a joy. Thanks for coming on the show. Thank you for having me. You're a joy, oh, too. Thank you. oh, I thank love you. your euphoric spirit. Thank you. Thank you. So now she's at Ms. Tenzi Taylor on on Twitter. But, and that count. Where else can they find you on social media? If they want oh, to yeah. To so find me on Instagram, Tenzi Taylor, T-E-N-S-I-E Taylor. You can find me on my Facebook fan page, Tenzi J. Taylor, or my uh, personal page, Tensi Taylor. And you're also with the U- the USC Black Alumni Association, correct? Is yes. They, can they contact yes. them for so anything? Yes, so you can uh, follow the USC 
Black Alumni Association, USC, BAA, all across Instagram, Twitter, and Facebook. I want to make sure that got in there. Thank you. Of course, hanging forward. And you can follow our page. We have a, we have a, break, a Breaking Into page on Facebook. Go ahead and like it and, and subscribe. And some of her information will be on that page, too, if you want to know further about her. Uh, we're also on, uh, we're on YouTube and iTunes under Black Hollywood Live, Breaking Into. So you can go there, like us, rate us, comment. Give me if you have any comments about this episode, please tell me. And if you want me to pass anything on to her, I'll pass it on to her also. Uh, we I enjoy the engagement. You can follow me at James Law Jr. on where all James Law Juniors are sold. They're all <laughs> over the place. Just Google me in there. You'll find me everywhere. Have a great evening and talk to you next time. From executives Kevin Undergaro, Dario Kristen, Tiana Hobson, and the entire BHL staff, we would like to thank you for supporting Black Hollywood Live the first online broadcast network dedicated to African-American entertainment. For questions and comments, contact us. Info at BlackHollywoodLive.com. Like us on Facebook, tweet us, or Instagram us at BHL Online. And I am the official voice of Black Hollywood Live, Scipio. Instagram at KingXOBay. Thanks for tuning in. The views expressed here are those of the host only and do not necessarily reflect the views of BHL or its owners or principals.